0: today, uh, I really feel that God has called me to remind us that we need to trust Him, Uh, that our trust needs to be entirely centred in Him, that this year, before we get into the year, before we move any further with the year, that our trust and hope would not be in external things, but that our trust would be centred in Jesus Christ, That at the end of the year, when we look back at the end of 2016, we won't look at all the things we did and all the things we gained, but rather the the measure of the success of that year was how much more we fell in love with Jesus, how much more we surrendered our lives to Him and His purpose. The title of my message is A Purpose in Play. There's a purpose in play. I want you to come with me in your Bibles to John 11. John 11 is really, uh, the majority of John 11 is a story, and it is a story of a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and uh, Lazarus goes through an unwelcomed surprise. He dies, uh, which was kind of against the game plan, it kind of wasn't really was meant to happen, but We know from reading this Scripture that it ends well. In fact, come with me to the end of this story in verses, uh, John 11, verse 38. It says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to Him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour for he has been dead four days. That's a long time. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I want you to say this with me. Say a higher purpose. A higher purpose. So then they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up His eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Say a higher purpose. When he had said this thing, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. The man who had died came out. Let's pray here this morning. Father, I thank you that Your Word is eternal, that Your Word is the work of the Holy Spirit, the God it came to us by the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that right now You would illuminate this Word to our lives, and that not only would You illuminate it, not only would You reveal it to us, but Lord, that You would allow it to go deep into our hearts, not as a seed that is quickly taken from the enemy, but a seed that would go down, take root, and bring fruit. Father, I thank You. Anoint me here today. Let me be led by Your Spirit in Your mighty name. Amen. 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 I love when a story has a happy ending. I I love movies that have happy endings. I can't stand it when you go to a movie and you pay, like, I don't know what you pay to go to the movies now. I'm a parent. We rarely go to the movies. Uh, because when we do, it costs me like a year's salary. Um, but on the odd occasion I go, it's, it's ridiculous how expensive it is. Um, but I hate it when you pay for a movie. And then you sit down, and the movie starts out bleak. And then it gets bleaker. And then you're really hoping that somehow this is going to come good, but then it just ends bleak. You kind of just feel like, well, I could have just looked at my current life if I really wanted to be depressed. I could have just gone out and just kind of looked around at my work currently. I could have just kind of gone and seen my kids misbehaving. I didn't have to go and pay $20 for someone to make me feel worse for the sake of creativity. It's amazing, isn't it? But we love a good ending, don't we? We love it. I like to know what's going to happen in a movie. Many of you hate spoiler alerts. I love them. Whenever a movie comes out of a, a book, whenever it's, it started off as a novel and they kind of turn it into a movie, I always try and read the, the book first, because I like to know what's going to happen. I like to know how it's going to end. See, when I went and saw The Lord of the Rings, they would always end the trilogy, the, one of the, the Lord of the Rings... And it was terrible how they did this to people. But they would leave it at like the most what? It's like a cliffhanger. It kind of ends, and then you got to wait a whole year. But not me. I already knew. I'd already read the end, baby. I knew what was going to happen. All of you guys are go. Oh my gosh, Gandalf is he dead? I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I know. I love to know the ending. I love to know what's going to happen. You know. And uh, we always begin the year hoping. That it's gonna end well. There's a leadership principle that says whenever you begin something, you should always begin it with the end in mind. And we always begin the year, don't we, with a plan. Written down. We bring our 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 plans to God, we bring our hopes and our dreams to God. And, and we know and we hope that we hope that it's gonna end well. But every now and then along the journey we encounter an unwelcome surprise. Some of you had some unwelcome surprises last year. Maybe your job ended. It was an unwelcome surprise. Everything was going well, and then suddenly it changes. For us as a family, our unwelcome surprises is often a trip to the ER. I don't know why, but my children just love Mona Vale Hospital. They just love it we should basically just rent a room there permanently. Because it just feels like every single time we either come to an end of a conference or an end of something big and we're on holiday, all of a sudden, surprise, we're going to Monavale Hospital, yay! An unwelcome surprise. What was your unwelcome surprise last year? What was the thing that shocked you? when everything was going perfect, everything was going according to your plan, and suddenly, a surprise. See, we say we love surprises. We all say, don't tell me the end of the movie, I hate spoilers, until that unwelcome surprise is negative. Then, we don't want to be surprised anymore. We don't want to know or guess, we want to know how is this going to work out? How is this going to finish? What's going to happen? I need to know, is this going to be okay? And you know, although our stories can end well, there is always unwelcome surprises on the journey. And here we see a story that has ended well, but it didn't begin well. Lazarus, the story of Lazarus, begins with an unwelcomed surprise. It begins in John 11 verse 1, and it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. An unwelcome surprise. It's surprising because four months ago, Jesus was in Judea, which is like a 15-minute trip-ish from Jerusalem. And, and so, uh, so connected to this family was Jesus that we can only assume that four months ago, he would have been hanging out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were friends. They were buds. Everything was fine. He gets confronted by the Jewish leaders. They, they threaten to kill him, so he has to leave, and he goes thinking... And his disciples leave thinking everything's fine. And all of a sudden, Lazarus gets ill. And so quickly does it seem this illness has come on, he dies quickly as well, suddenly. Problems never give you warning, do they? Issues never really give you a warning, it's always suddenly. You know, uh, just before Christmas, my daughter and, and all my family would rather meet me, my wife and kids, and we were going and we were doing letterbox dropping um, around our area. We were taking our Christmas carol cards that we had for our service, and uh, we were putting them in letterboxes. And you know, it was a great day. The sun was shining. I I can't recall exactly how it went, but I almost can picture, you know, my, my kids were in Piggy Towers probably, like, you know, not just cute, but really cute. You know, and there was probably birds just flocking around us like some sort of Disney film, and my wife looked fantastic. I mean, my wife always looks fantastic, um, but but my wife looked extra fantastic that day, and it was just the the glory of the Lord was just radiating off her body, and it was just a perfect day, and we were just doing the business of for the Lord. We're just praising Jesus. Oh yeah, these people are coming to our Christmas carols, and we're praying for every letter boxes we're putting them in, and we're believing, and my daughters are just been so well-behaved and listening to everything I asked them, and it was a perfect day. That's at least how I remember it, but but I'm sure it was slightly different. But as we're walking along, my wife, she says, well, I think we're done. The girls are kind of starting to crack it, and it's time to go home. And my, my daughter, Harley, she begged me. She said, we still got flyers, Dad. She's awesome. She'll complete the job. I'm like quitting halfway. She's like, Dad, we still got flyers. We can't just not keep going. So, I said, okay, baby, you and I, we'll go finish. So, we walk on for a little while further, maybe a kilometre, and we finish them all. And then we're talking, we're just chatting, hanging out, and we're walking back. And as we're walking, we're kind of walking to the side of the road to make sure we stay away from traffic, and uh, we come up to one of those storm grates. And it was covered in leaves, we couldn't really see it, but I didn't really think of anything about it. And all of a sudden, my daughter slipped. And I'm not always the most sensitive parent. I try to be, that may surprise you, I'm all about hugs and not drugs, but, but I am generally pretty sensitive. But to that day, I was just kind of like, come on, baby, we fine. She started wailing. I'm like, oh, come on. Because sometimes your kids will trip, and, and sometimes they'll just overreact, and you just got to help them see that you're okay. But, but what I didn't realize was the reason she slipped was not because she tripped on the grate, was because one of the bars in the grate had broken off. And what was left was this kind of jagged piece of metal, and her leg went through the hole, and the thing went into her knee. And at the point that I could see her kneecap, I started to realize that perhaps I should be a little bit more sympathetic. Um, And so I picked up my daughter, and I remember thinking, how could this happen? Surprise. You know, the other thing that's surprising about this story is that it wasn't just what happened, but who would happen to. These were not just some random people, not some blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road. These were people known, loved, and most dearest to Jesus Christ. I thought, God, if You knew me and You loved me, that it would be okay. God, I thought that if I was serving the Lord, handing out Christmas carols, God, for you. Isn't there some sort of special deal going on here, Lord? Aren't I a man a God, some sort of protected? That was, that's how my brain thinks. Every time we get a trip to the hospital, every time my kids get sick, my first thought is, God, I'm doing it for you. Sometimes I feel like God says, exactly. But I'm doing it for you. I thought if I came to church my family be okay i thought if i read my bible i wouldn't get sick i thought if i paid my tithes my money be okay i thought god i thought it would be okay the bible says many in psalms 34:18 many many are the afflictions of the righteous But the Lord delivers them from the more. No matter how crazy it looks, no matter how messed up it looks, no matter how surprising it may be, there is always a greater purpose in play. There is always a purpose that God is out working in your life. It may not start great. It may be an unwelcome surprise. But I got to tell you people, there is always something around the corner. God is always doing something. Verse 4, he says, But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God that my son, sorry, this illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. No matter how unwelcomed, how unplanned, there's always, always a greater purpose at play. He wants to take your perspective today off of the problem and onto His purpose. He wants to take your perspective off of the problems in your life and back on to the solution. You see, He never promised there would be no problems, but He always promised there'd be a solution. And in this story, what He's really doing, this story is not really about a man named Lazarus. This story is not really about a family encountering unwelcome surprises. This story is about God revealing His greater purpose for our lives. Check this out. You watch this. He's so committed to this, it it astounds me, Uh, awkwardly so. So now Jesus loved Martha, this is verse 5, and her sister and Lazarus loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. He waited. He waited two days. And the text alludes it's because of his love for them. He waits. God, don't you love me? Take this pain away come and fix it now. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. It's amazing when we're in a trial how we question God's love for us. Don't you care? But but maybe He's doing something because He loves you. Maybe, Maybe His love for you is so, so great that He is willing to work out His purpose in your life despite your discomfort see, we all think that God wants to make us comfortable. No, no, no. God wants to make you complete. He wants to make you whole. His love is so great that it will work through anything to complete that love in you. And the book of James tells us that when that love is completed, we begin to become complete and perfect, not lacking anything. The love of God is so good, It is beyond our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His love is beyond what you're going through. His love is beyond anything that you will travel through this year. His love is so great and willing to work through our discomfort that His love may be perfected in us. In us. So He waits. And you know what I find is, is the more that I surrender my own life to Him, The the more I'm willing to say, God, not my way, but your way, I begin to see clearly the purpose in play. That the more I surrender my life to Him, the clearer the picture becomes. Our lives, our lives cannot just live for any purpose. You've been divinely created to live for a divine purpose to live for a divine purpose. Isaiah fourteen twenty four says, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. As I have purpose, so shall it stand. Proverbs sixteen nine says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Oh, until we are living for a divine purpose, something that is beyond us, something that is bigger than us, our life will be, always be messy. It will always be uncertain. It will feel like we're going, like the Israelites, going around in circles, going from one problem to the next, one circumstance to the next, one situation to the next, one year to the next. When you're living for your own purpose, your life seems meaningless. But when we get connected to a divine purpose, suddenly I begin to see things clearly. Suddenly things begin to take shape. Life is not cyclical. It's not linear. T.D. Jake says this. He says, life is terminal. It's going somewhere. There is a beginning and an end. And the journey of our life is us relinquishing control, letting go of our plans, letting go of our purpose, taking hold of the purpose of God, allowing our lives to be formed and fashioned and shaped into His purpose. Then we see clearly. When you can't see it, when you can't see it, you lose hope. When you can't see it, it's discouraging. When you can't see it, you're saying, why God? But man, when you see Jesus, when you see hope, when you see the plan that he is destined and created for you for, everything makes sense. Everything makes sense. Say there's a higher purpose at play. There's a higher purpose at play. Amen. So what he does is it says afterwards, he comes to his disciples and he says, now it's time for us to go to Judea. And, and they kind of freak out. Because the reason they freak out is he was just tried, they just tried to kill him there. See, 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 they thought they were living for the greater purpose. They're saying, no, 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 Jesus, don't trouble yourself with that. We've got to keep you alive. See, even his disciples didn't get it. But Jesus says this profound thing in verse, I think it's verse, uh, let's go verse 9, guys. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Unless you see clearly, you see blindly. Unless you see Jesus perfectly, you'll never get it. What Jesus is really saying is as long as I am here, I need to do everything I can, not to just fix people's problems, but to rather reveal who I am. You see, the Old Testament law had given this warped, obscure view of who God was, and Jesus did not come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it, to complete it, to make it perfect and picture clear, so that people would begin to see not what was written on tablets, but what was written on our hearts, a love and desire, something that we are questioning and quenching for, and Jesus came to reveal the complete picture of God. The disciples didn't get it. But they eventually say they'll go, with as much faith as they normally have. Thomas says, well, let us go then with the Lord, so we may die as well. Full of faith. I love looking at the disciples' lives, it always makes me feel slightly better. Um, Not really, (laughs) they're amazing. But, they missed it, they didn't see it. So he goes, he goes, to reveal the full picture See, his aim is not to resolve the current predicament of Lazarus. His aim is not to reveal and to, sorry, to deal with the current predicament at play. He wants to reveal the solution to the eternal problem of our world, the eternal dilemma. Maybe what you're going through and what you go through, maybe there's something deeper at play. Maybe, maybe the reason you keep getting frustrated every time you fall into a trap is because you keep thinking that God is just going to come and save you. Maybe your expectation on God is that every time you enter a problem, you look to Him to save you. But maybe what you need to understand is that He has already saved you. Maybe every problem you go through no longer needs God to come and save you afresh, maybe we just need to get a fresh perspective on every problem we face, understanding that He has already overcome. He has already come through. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met Him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha, she runs. She runs to fix it. Martha is frustrated, as Martha always is. She runs to go and deal with the problem, but Mary is fixated. She's crushed. See, some of us are frustrated with what God is and isn't doing in our life, and some of us are just fixated on what God has not done in our lives, and we're crushed. And in Jewish culture, the, the, when you were mourning, you would remain seated. It's intense when you read about Jewish culture and the way that they express mourning. They'd pull out their hair, they'd tear their clothes, and then they would sit. I don't know if you've ever been in something so traumatic that it takes the breath out of you and all you can do is Sit. You see, what this reveals to us, we have to remember that though God can bring purpose out of your pain, it does not mean He doesn't care about your pain. Do you know what's so incredible about this story? There's that a little bit later when Mary finally comes to Him, crushed and defeated, she falls at His feet and she says, If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And He doesn't say, Cheer up, Mary i got a purpose in play, everything's going to be okay. Do you know what it says? He sees her weeping, and he is moved with compassion, and he is overwhelmed and troubled in spirit. And then we come to the shortest verse in the Bible, it says, Jesus wept, so that everyone around him said, see how he loved him. I love that we have a God who was wrapped himself in flesh, who came to earth not just to resolve the issue, but that he could sympathize with our pain. We have a God who was crucified. We have a God who separated himself from himself. How does that even work? I don't know. It's a theological conundrum. We can work out forever. But he has separated himself. And I love a God who can experience pain, who knows what pain is, who doesn't go and pat me on the back and pull my socks up, but actually comes and embraces me, that actually comes and sits with me, that actually comes and weeps with me. I have a God that just like me, when I don't know why it's happening, he too said, God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Why? It's in the midst of the trial that we can see his compassion clearest. Paul begins 2 Corinthians 1 with this. He says, blessed be to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort." who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He does not delight in suffering. See, we've got we to get this right theologically. I'm not talking about God's going to use your pain because that's what God does, and He's just going to discipline you because that's what God... That's part of it. But there is a deeper part. God doesn't cause pain, but He can redeem it. He can bring purpose out of your pain. That's the great news of the gospel. It's not that God comes and waves a magic stick and fixes everything. It's that God would be with you in the midst of every trial, and not only would He be with you, He actually can redeem it. He doesn't just want to... comfort your pain. He wants to resurrect your pain. His purpose in life is to bring you out of something. And the greatest thing is that we don't go through things for nothing. That the purpose that God had here was not just for Lazarus, was not just for Mary, was not just for Martha, was for the whole world. Out of my pain, the glory of God can be revealed God's goodness, His grace, His compassion can be revealed to a world that is so desperate, so desperate for peace. He can redeem it. But only if you put your trust in Him, if you can put your trust entirely in God this year. He will bring purpose out of your pain, working His glory through your life. But can you trust Him? As I was carrying Harlan that day, as we were running back, I was thankful of a few things. One of the things I was thankful for was that I got fit, because if it was three weeks before that, I probably would have collapsed of a heart attack on the way home. But I could run, which was awesome, because God had been speaking to me about running. See, sometimes we discredit what God speaks to us. Sometimes the little things we go, surely God's just going to come and fix the problem, but maybe God's been going, Yeah, I will fix the problem, but have you been saving? I will fix the problem, but maybe don't eat that. I will fix the problem, but maybe don't say that. I will fix the problem, but maybe don't think like that. Sometimes God has been speaking to you. You've been saying, "God, please give me an answer," and He's like, "I've been trying to." But I was fit because God had spoken to me, and two years later, I finally answered and submitted my life afresh to Jesus. And but I was running; I was quite proud of that—that I could look after my kids. And so, as I'm getting there, my daughter, she looks at me, and she says this, she says, Daddy, is it going to be okay? In the moment, I can't honestly say, yeah, I I knew it was going to be okay, but I just went to faith. And I looked at her, I said, it's going to be fine. She's bleeding all over my shirt. I thought she'd hit a vein or an artery or something crazy, I'm trying to call out to my wife to come and get her, and in the midst of chaos, I said, look at me, it's going to be fine. And you know what she did? She didn't pick up on the anxiety that I was feeling, she didn't pick up on all the craziness around the world, she took me at my word, and she trusted. She leaned in, that was it. Got in the car, not a word. Got to the ER, not a word. Peace. Went through stitches, looked at me, you'll be fine we're going to breathe. She breathed. Didn't cry. The doctors are looking at me like astonished, saying, do you want to knock her out? Do you want to give her... I said, she'll be fine. Just give her a local. She'll be fine. Are you sure? She'll be fine. Trust me. Breathe. She was fine. Trusted in her dad. It's amazing when we trust him. We trust him that we can encounter an overwhelming peace. He wants to give you a spoiler for 2016. He wants to reveal to you the end. He wants to show you that it's going to be okay. And you see, the way He's going to do it is He's going to reveal it to you right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? That was, You could respond if you want to, uh, but that's fine. Uh, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will, be, will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She had a belief that, yes, I know God, one day he will rise again. He placed his faith in you. I know on the day of the resurrection he will rise again. And Jesus says, oh, mind-blowing. He stops her and he says, look at me. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And the life. She was searching for an answer, searching for a solution. And he said, I am the solution. See, we so often are looking outside for an external answer from God, and all the while, he's saying, I'm the answer you want more peace this year. You're saying, God, give me more peace. He would say, look at me, I am your peace. You're saying, I need more hope this year, God. He says, look at me, I am your hope. You wanna overcome something that has been dragging you down for years, frustrations that have been holding you stuck. And you're saying, God, I need something that will help me overcome. And he says, look at me, I have overcome. I have overcome. See, we want a better year this year. We want a great year this year but can I tell you, it's not going to come from more money, it's not going to come from a better job, it's not going to come from more behaved children, it's not going to come from better friends. It's not going to come from more Instagram followers, it's not going to come from a better social status, it's not going to come from a boyfriend Chrissy, it's not going to come from a husband Chrissy, that'll be good though because she's single, P.S. It's not going to come from an external thing. All you need, every single thing, not one iota, everything is found in Jesus, (laughs) period. It's found in Jesus. Your hope is in Christ. Your life is in Christ. Your joy is in Christ. Your peace is in Christ. That job, it's in Christ. That family, it's in Christ. That child, it's in Christ. You have to place your trust in Him. He is the beginning and the end, the author and perfecter. And when I lined my life up with him and said, you be my beginning and end, Lord, you be my author and perfecter, I started to live for something greater than I could ever imagine. God started to do something in my life that in all stages of life, I can be content. I can be content knowing that I already have everything I need in him. The devil's greatest trick for you this year is to blind you from the reality that the spoiler is out, the end is nigh, his name is Jesus. You don't need anything else, you don't need more money, you don't need that better car, it's all in Jesus. The greater purpose at play is this, that no matter what you go through this year, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you've already won. You've already won. So let me ask you this question. Are you beginning this year with your hope in your own plans? Or are you going to surrender your life to Jesus? Will you say my will, not your, your will, not mine? Will you surrender your life to him? Have you been, if I can get the keys up, if you've been placing your trust or your hope in other things well, this year, will you place your hope in Jesus? How are you going to begin this year? What's your plan? What's your purpose? For me, it's Jesus. I just want to fall more ridiculously in love with Jesus Christ. If I can get every eye closed here today, if you're here today and you cannot say, absolutely, I have placed my trust in Jesus. Maybe for the first time, you've never actually done this before, you've never actually surrendered your life and said, I want to believe and follow Jesus Christ. You can do that here today. Maybe you're here today and you have been following your own way. You could even come to church. When everyone's looking, you're lifting your hands, but you know that you know that you know that inside you, you're not satisfied. For whatever reason, you are disconnected from Jesus. When I talk about Him being your purpose and your hope, He is a part of your life, but He's not all of it. You can make Him all. He's either all or not all. That's the reality, friends. Is He all? Or maybe you're here today and you're just not confident that if you were to die today, that you would have eternal peace in a home with Jesus, that you would actually have eternal life. You can be confident and sure of that today. I know there are people here that need to come to God for the first time. I know that there are people here that need to come to God, return again. And I know there are people here who are wrestling with confidence in their salvation. If that is you, if you're any one of those three people, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want you to lift your hand nice and high for me to see. I will see it and we're going to pray. Who is that here today? I know there are people here. Just lift your hand and say yes. Thank you, God. Who's that here today? I know there are hands that need to go up here today. You can argue with yourself. You can argue with your hand head. But you know, I need to respond. Who's that person here today? Just lift your hand. I'll wait for you. Don't worry. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be worried what people think. This is about you and God here today and I will wait because I know there are hands here today. Who is that person here today? Just lift your hand. Don't wait another day, another second, not being confident in your relationship with Jesus Christ here. Who is that person? Lift it high enough and long enough for me to see. Thank you, Jesus. You're kind of hoping I'll move on. You're kind of hoping I just let it go. You're kind of hoping, just like everything in life, you're kind of hoping it'll just go away. You're kind of hoping it'll just get better. But why would you do that when the answer is here right now? I'm not moving on. I know there are people here today. Who is that person? I'll wait for one, because God will. You know that you know that you know that you know. You say, why do I need to put up my hand? Why? Why? If in this church you won't say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, how have you got any hope of following him out there? He wants you to reach out to him. His love is absolutely unending. His love is a free gift, but it requires us to respond. Will you respond here today? Your heart's beating. Let him in. Let him in. Let him in. Who is that person here today? I'll give you five more seconds. Five Who is that person? Don't, 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 don't miss this. Four, please don't miss this. Three, awesome, I see that hand. Now there are more people here today. There's one, who else is here today? Who is here who needs to to come back to Jesus Christ? You know that you know that you're not following him. He is not the Lord of your life. Who is that person? Is there one more here today? I gotta move on. Okay. Is there one more? Thank you. God. I gotta move. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Can I get us all to stand? We're gonna pray with this gentleman. Uh, one of the team there is going to look after you man come out here bro let's give this guy a huge hand huh that's awesome greatest decision ever put your faith in Jesus Christ today let's pray dear God Thank you for saving me. God, I give you my life today. Take away all my sin, redeem me from my past. I am justified freely by grace. Heaven is my home. God is my God and I will follow you all the days of Fill me with your presence, Holy Spirit. Amen. There's the Holy Spirit right there. It's all going to be okay. When we come back to Jesus, i got to tell you, He is always open-armed, ready to receive anyone. Anyone. But it just begins here. This is just the beginning. And we're all on a journey of surrendering our lives daily to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit promises that he will be with us and walk with us. And he's going to walk with you. Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill him. Peace of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Break every power of his life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome, man. This guy's going to look after you. Give you a Bible. Talk about following Jesus. Awesome. Bless you. Come on, let's give him a hand. So good. All right. God bless you guys. I apologize, Nat. We went a bit over, but um, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Listen to me. If you're worried, God's been speaking to me a little bit about this message. Well, a lot actually, but but particularly around this area. If you're a parent and you're worried about your kids, just lift your hands to God right now. Okay, awesome. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. I'm gonna hand back to Nat. She can let us know what we're gonna do, but but maybe after the service, when we finish, we can just leave some worship going. Come down, connect with God. If you'd like prayer, I'll pray with you. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor James. Awesome, accurate, honest, powerful word here today. So powerful. We're gonna do it.